At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Luke and Bill. Thank you for joining me. Ooh, it's been a minute. I've been uh, busy. I've been uh, a lot of places and I've been... Um, what would be the word? Uh, brain dead. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so last week didn't put out any episodes because I misplaced my board. And you're probably asking yourself, how the hell do you misplace a board? I don't really have a good answer for you. Um, other than <laughs> I'm just, uh, that's just how my brain doesn't work but yeah there's been all sorts of stuff going on uh vehicles dying having to buy a vehicle uh so i have been distracted that's my excuse but to be fair i've pulled shit like this um without any of those stresses going on before so it's just unfortunately um the way my brain is wired clearly um it's not wired well Uh, for example, uh, let's see, how many years would this be? It would be 15 years ago or so. Yeah, I'm old. I know. I, I get it. That's the thing. Like, I just turned 49, right? I could totally use my could totally use my age as my excuse. Like, oh, my brain is slipping in my old age. No, it's just always been this way. So about 15 years ago, I could give or take a couple of years. Um, didn't have a boat. Well, I had a boat, just a little 14 foot, whatever boat. And uh, I actually had, you know, worked and saved and had bought this used 20 horsepower motor. Way too much power for that little boat. I mean, this is a like super thin, light 14 foot boat. Like, there's nothing to it. But I didn't have a trailer. So, um, I didn't have a boat trailer. I did have like just a flatbed trailer, like a snowmobile trailer, something kind of like that. And so I'll just take the boat, flip it upside down, strap it down to that trailer, uh, throw the outboard in the back of my truck and away I went. I mean, 
you know, some assembly required. We need to get to the landing, but it is what it is. So I rocked that for a while. Um, you know, and I think I'd had like a, um, a nine, nine on there and it had died. And so it, I was like, that was all bummed out about that. And then I had to get, so then I saved up and uh, I bought this 20 horse, which I can't remember what I paid for it that back then, but I think it was like 750 bucks, which for me at the time was a lot of money, but totally worth, this got me back on the water. And, uh, so I'm out fishing on Lake Alexander and, uh, get done fishing. Everything's great. I'm, uh, loading the boat back up, head back to the cabin and I'm getting stuff up and I'm kind of, I don't know, kind of off the side, but I think it, I kind of, I feel like I'm still kind of in the way but there was nobody there, right? So I'm just like, I don't really take my time, but I'm doing my thing. And all of a sudden, here comes a couple rigs, and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get, I gotta get out of the way, cause I'm not going to be that guy. And uh, side note, holy shit, anybody that's been out this Memorial Week, and I know, like, you can find this pretty much on any weekend, but these like big holiday weekends, wow, do the morons come out to the boat ramp? But anyways, so I don't want to be that guy blocking the ramp, right? So I'm like, oh shit. So I take the outboard and I just set off the side. I pull up, you know, get out of the way, pull the truck and trailer up out of the way, drag the boat off to the side and proceed to start doing everything, get the boat strapped down. Well, my order got out of sync and that's, that's where shit goes sideways. So basically the last step was always strapping the boat down. So I did that first and didn't end up putting the outboard in the truck. And I didn't notice it. I didn't think about it until the very next day, the very next morning. I went to to go fishing and I was just going to drop it in right there, like on the river. And I'm like, where the hell is my outboard? And then the light bulb went off. I was like, oh, shit. So, of course, I drive all the way to the lake, check the landing, nothing there. I wait for like the resort. There's a resort right there. I wait for them to open. I ask them like, "Hey, did anybody pick this up? Anybody drop it off? Anybody, you know, whatever?" They're like, "No, we haven't seen anything." It's like I was just like destroyed, and that, that might even have been Memorial Weekend. I can't remember. It was a, I think it was a holiday weekend. There's a lot of family and stuff up. I don't know. I was like, nobody wanted to talk to me, which is good because I don't want to talk to anybody else. Like, I was physically ill. Like, it had taken me a long time to save that money up to get that outboard. And then my own dumbass does something absent-minded like that. And, yeah. But also, I do have to say, who just takes an outboard motor? Like, wouldn't you, like, with the resort right there. And I can only think of what I would have done myself. I would have grabbed that outboard and I would have brought it over to the resort and like, hey, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to be back for this. Um, you know, like that's that seems like the normal thing to do. Like who is just like, well, you're lost my game. Gain. I mean, if that's if that's you, you're a dick. I'm just I'm just going to put that out there right now. Like that's, you know, I like the stories where somebody finds a wallet and they return said wallet, and every dollar is still in there. Like, that's the way it should be. I mean, I don't know why why it's anything but. But, I mean, I guess I can be naive or wishful thinking all I want. It's not how the world works a lot of times. But 
Anyway, that's a long-winded uh, way of saying that I was absent-minded, and uh, yeah, I couldn't find my board. And worst-case scenario was like I was trying to think because I don't like it goes from point A to point B. Like when I'm working in Southern Minnesota, I take it with me, and then it goes back with me on the weekend just in case I use it. And that's pretty much it. Or if I travel, I bring it with me a lot of times. So I'm gonna do. I'm planning on doing a, a podcast, and so I'd had a couple trips. I'd gone to Florida in April. I had just been to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and um, which we'll get into. Um, and so, you know, those are the places I would have brought it. However, I didn't bring it to Charleston, South Carolina, because I was thinking, well, I don't really need to bring my whole board. Just as the week was, you know, I wasn't really planning on doing any of that stuff. I had already had an episode recorded for that week and i was like well i can just have nick do a solo episode for waterfall wednesday and yeah so i was like well i'll just leave the big board behind again problem number one i changed the system this is never good there was there was a change in the matrix <laughs> it's just just never good um and so what had happened what happened was um because the vehicle I was using died, 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 broke down. In the meantime, I was using my sister, uh, sister's Yukon. But then they needed that back. So anyways, during this whole thing, so I'd drive it over to their their place. And then from there, we're going to the airport to go to Charleston. Great. And that's where I had the stuff. Allegedly, that's where, well, not allegedly. It turns out that's where I left my board. And that's I made the decision at her place to not bring the board. I thought I'd already pre-made that decision and had just left my board in one of my two main places, my house or where I'm staying down here. <sighs> Therein lies the problem. So, but I was freaking out. I'm like, had my dog check her car. Just maybe I put it in her trunk and it wasn't there. So I was waiting for my sister to get back to me. I said, hey, look around your house and whatever. And then the other option is, and I was like really starting to lean towards this and starting to get that all too familiar feeling in my gut that maybe I when I was loading up the vehicle because I, I I'm I'm like the stereotype of like I'm that guy that makes you know the grocery bag trip in one trip you know a bag all the way up to your arms up to your shoulders one in your teeth you know holding a 12 pack between your legs like <laughs> like I hate making multiple trips but so something like that, and I was like, well, maybe I set it up on top of the roof. And I can kind of see my mind's eye doing that, putting everything else in the truck, and then not, you know, and then leaving it and driving away with it on the top of the Yukon, and then God knows where it is on the freeway, right? That's what I was thinking, and I'm like, I'm going to have to buy a new board, and they're not cheap. <sighs> that old familiar sinking gut feeling was starting to creep in and I was like I was actually to the point I was looking online I was at the sweetwater.com I was looking at new boards and then I was like you know I haven't heard back from my sister let me just shoot her a text quick and then because she Luganville like me uh, probably forgot to look even though she said she was going to and that's exactly what happened and uh, didn't take long and I get a text back with a picture of my board in the box I was like so relieved. That was a little bit of pain in the ass. I had to run all the way out to Prior Lake and back last night to get it, but crisis averted. Here we are, back on track. Woo! 
So in the meantime, yeah, dude, I went to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. It was kind of a, a last-minute trip, but, man, we found, like, super cheap prices. I mean, airline prices are, like, out of control. And I, I literally must have bought them the day before they, they just got stupid because I often will, like, window shop tickets to places. Just, like, know that I'm not going to go, but just, like, looking at ticket prices, you, you know, you're a little bit of daydreaming. Like, sure, it'd be nice if I could go. And um, I looked for like a normal weekend. Like generally, when I'll when I'll travel, I'll do like a Thursday night to Monday morning. That's that's my preferred travel schedule um, because you lose a day. You know, your travel days are just a loss pretty much. And so if you take, you know, two days off of work, it, you get the whole weekend. You know, basically, you're giving up Monday. You're giving up. You're not giving up Friday. So. That's the beauty of leaving on a Thursday night because you can work at worst a half day on a Thursday, right? And then fly out. And then you wake up, boom, you're already there. You can do that gives me Friday, Saturday, Sunday to fish and then come home Monday. Works good. So I checked those prices and they were just like full retard, like over $500. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then I was like, but... I kind of pick my own hours here, so I don't really. I could just work a weekend and go during the week. So I plugged in uh, Sunday through uh, Thursday, and just coincidentally happened to coincide with my birthday. Was thrown in there May eighteenth, and it was less than two hundred dollars. Not only that, but it was a direct flight to Charleston, which there are not many direct flights flights to Charleston out of the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport. You almost always either have to go through Charlotte, North Carolina, or Atlanta, Georgia, almost every single time. This was I was getting a direct flight for the cheapest I have ever gotten a flight to Charleston for 200 bucks. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. So yeah, I told my brother I was coming. He's like, yeah, I should be open that week or whatever. And then I, then I got the idea. I was like, man, that's so cheap, like, so I hit up my daughter. I was like, um, how much PTO do you got? <laughs> you want to go to Charleston? <laughs> like, they're super cheap. And so I told her, she's like, heck yeah. Then she looked. She's like, oh, I'll just take some time off. I don't want to have a ton of PTO. But, um, yeah. So, anyways, we went down there, and it was, um, weather was great. It was nice and warm, except for it was just windy, because why wouldn't it be, right? Like, this is, this is just the season. Like, 2022 is going to go down as, like, the windiest season ever and not even just for minnesota because i swear to god I, everywhere i go here texas florida south carolina the wind's just fucking blowing and um and that was no exception and then we you know looked at the forks like well it looks like wednesday or tuesday was looking like the day to go going off on the windy app and uh, i mean we went fishing every day but we just had to stay inshore because you know it was just too rough to get offshore because we wanted to run out to the near shore reefs and stuff like that what i really wanted to do was like do a bunch of exploring out there because i had been um researching a bunch because my question every time i would got down there is like okay they got these artificial reefs out there and the one like the closest one of the one urban fish is called the charleston 60 and i think it's just because it's in 60 foot of water but um but i'm like okay i i get the artificial reef thing but there has to be natural ones like they wouldn't have just like 
these fish have to like live in this general part of the world somewhere else. Like they weren't just waiting for humans to drop some concrete down there. So I've been doing some research and finding out that yes, there are some natural reefs. There's they're called hard bottoms or live bottoms. And they happen in like the sixty to seventy foot range. And it's it's just a it's a ledge, you know. Um basically it's an area of exposed limestone. Um, back when, way back when, when the sea levels were way lower and it's just an erosion, you know, it's like you would see a, a rock outcropping anywhere. Like you're down in uh, southeast Minnesota and there's just a little, you know, limestone ledge, right? That's what it is. But that hard bottom, that exposed limestone, that's where the corals and stuff can attach them to. And then you have the whole ecosystem that revolves around that. So there's this whole area and basically it's just like a big line. And I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's not a continuous line. So you got to kind of find the spots, but you can, you can run the, you know, you can drop waypoints and all that stuff and find the, the areas where the activity is going on. So I'm reading all this. I'm like, dude, this sounds exciting. Like I want to, I want to find these spots. Like my wanderlust, my like DIYness is really kicking in. Like it's fun to you know be able to just shoot out to the 60 and know that there's going to be structure there. But like, what sucks is that on a good day, which is all you know we can do to get out there, we need a pretty decent day with very low wind. Um, everybody else can get out there, and so it's pretty busy, a lot of boats, and I like to get away from the crowd. So that's just you know all of it. It's like I really want to find some new areas, find our own areas, and we can just get away from the crowd. Like that's just so much more satisfying when you like put in the work, you, f- you find a spot and you got your own numbers with fish on it. Like, I don't care if it's saltwater, freshwater, whatever it is. It's just, it's just better. <clears throat> it's just like duck hunting, right? I would rather hike in somewhere, shoot two birds, but, if n- but not see another hunter than to go to one of these popular places like Swan Lake down by Mankato and just deal with the circus at the boat ramp, have someone set up, 20 yards from you, you know, all that nonsense of popular spots. Yeah, are you going to limit out? More than likely. But like I said, I'd rather shoot two birds and not have to deal with any of that nonsense. And that's kind of the same thing with this. It's like in my mindset, I'm like, God, I would just love to find our own spots. But the weather man was like, screw you, that's not going to happen. And so we, I mean, we, the first like, geez, what was it like? I think we even fished Sunday, Sunday afternoon. The Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yeah, because those three days, we had caught like one toadfish. Like it was bad. Like I was, <laughs> and there's bait around. Like I couldn't quite understand it. Um, no, we weren't like being super, super serious. Um, but still, we should have, you know, stumbled upon something else. But we did do a little bit of exploring inshore too. Um, we just kind of had this let's see what's out there kind of mentality. And I was, for the most part, I was just with my nephew, Trent. It was me, Trent, my daughter, Savannah, and his, and Trent's girlfriend, Peyton. Uh, Dan, unfortunately, my brother, had a uh, trial all week. He's a lawyer. And uh, he was trying to wrap it up, but just wasn't going to happen, unfortunately. So that's how that panned out. And then, so Tuesday, according to the Windy app, and I and the Windy app is usually pretty accurate. It was saying Tuesday was supposed to hardly have any wind. It's like great, it's gonna be awesome. 
And, you know, we kept checking it, see if it changed. Nope, staying the same, stay the same, stay the same. Monday night, we check it right before bed. Couldn't be more different. It went from, like, like hardly no wind or, like, zero to five uh, from the west, which is what you want. So it's, like, blowing off the shelf. It's not blowing the wind, you know, from the east because it has the entire Atlantic Ocean to build. It swells. So it's actually coming from shore, which makes it nice it went from that forecast to like a northeast wind at 2025 it's like how like i get not being like super accurate right oh so a little windier than we thought it was not zero to five it was more five to ten but it'll still be out of the west how does it do a almost complete 180 it's blow like crazy like you didn't see that coming um i don't know so i just you know we all have uh not much faith in the uh in the meteorological profession but this was like oh my god so but as it worked out wednesday became the day that it did that and uh it was nice at least it was going to be that way for like the first half of the day which is all we really had anyways which was the my birthday because I was scheduled to get a tattoo with my daughter that afternoon. So it worked out. So we got up early. Um, it's still a bit of a shit show. So we got up early. We actually got to the dock early. And it was just uh, me and Trenton. Peyton had to go back home. Um, Savannah didn't want to wake up that early. Um, of course, she's like, I suppose you guys are going to catch a lot of fish. I'm like, well, we'll see. And then we, so we start taking off. And we're like, oh, we didn't get gas yesterday. And we had gas. We only had about like half a tank. And you, when you're going to make a run out like that, like you want a full tank of gas. It doesn't take an entire full tank of gas to get out there and back. But, you know, a little insurance in case shit goes sideways is, you know, so like, fuck, we better get gas. And so we run over and we're on our way to get gas. And there's all of a sudden we start seeing fish break in the surface. We're like, we wheel around, break out the little rods and start throwing. And we're catching these... um Spanish mackerel. First one I caught actually was pretty decent for a Spanish. And man, those little fish can fight hard, man. This is a, that was a ton of fun. So we threw like three or four of them things in the box. Um, it was like, well, shit, now we have good cut bait for sharks, right? And we still needed to get some bait to, to go out there. And there was a bunch of men hating around, but not in that spot. Anyway, so we get, we, that bite like dies off. We're like, all right, we're getting distracted. We got to Get back to the plant. So we run over the dock, get gas. That takes a minute because there's, like, nobody around, but it says it's open. And apparently this dock is open 24 hours, but you got to, like, hail them on the radio, and then they come running out. It's like, oh, we just – we called, and, I mean, that worked too. But now we know in the future that we don't have to really worry about time-wise. Just got to hail them on the radio, and you'll be good to go. So we get all fueled up. Now we got to go get bait. So I'm like, well, let's head up here. We go – um, and we're just not seeing anything where we thought we would. I'm like, okay, well, there was a shit ton up this creek. Let's just run up there real quick. We did that. And they weren't really there either. The birds weren't working, nothing. Uh, made a, a few, like, blind casts, ran up the creek a little bit. We caught a few, but not many. Um, boogied out of there. Trent's like, well, they're always at the beach. That's where most of the charters go. So we ran out and went to the beach. Sure, shit. Should have just beelined straight there. There was, you know, other boats there trying to get bait, and it pelicans are diving everywhere like ah shit it pretty much took like one good throw and we had the bait we needed so like 
So we burnt a shit ton of time. We lost at least a, a good hour fucking around with gas and trying to get bait and whatever. But then we head out, and the nice it was a nice, smooth ride, no problem. We get out to the 60. There's already boats out there. It wasn't crazy. Oh, that was the first thing. So when we got out there, we wanted to troll. So there's, like, the the 60, and then every time, I'm like, we got to go see what's over there because there's always boats. There's always, like, two, one, two or three boats out in this one spot way off of the 60. And I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, I think this might be, like, one of those ledges areas. And uh, they're like, well, let's troll. Let's just, let's troll quick. That's right. I said the T word, but it's different when it's salt water, all right? I'm not trying to catch a 14. I'm not dragging a Lindy rig, trying to catch a 14-inch walleye, all right? We are going after King Mackerel. It's different. But it was also an exploratory mission. We just happened to have lines out. So we were doing that. We made a big uh, circle around them. And from where we were at, couldn't really see what they were on because we didn't, Again, we're not going to be those guys, and we didn't get real close. Although, we probably could have, because that's just what people do there. And, like, as we, you know, we went back, and all of a sudden we see, here comes this boat flying up there. He beelined straight to him. There was two boats, you know, anchored up. They're fishing that spot, and this boat went right in between them, anchored up. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I would have been pissed. But I guess that's just what happens. Like, you got to, I guess you got to be on the spot. But it was a pretty small spot, whatever was down there. And they were catching fish. We could see them hook up once in a while. Um, so we kind of, we just dropped a waypoint on it, um, tried to guess where it was and we'll go back some other day and scan it and see what it looks like. Um, cause my idea was like, well, we just need to know what we're looking at, you know, exactly what this looks like on our electronics. So then we can go exploring. We know what we're looking for. What we need to do is there's actually, there's a, there's a card you can buy and it has a bunch, I think it's actually called like. South Carolina fishing spots or something like that. And it has a bunch of these um, live bottom areas marked on there. And then, but there's a bunch that aren't. So it's like, okay, those are obviously those would be the known ones. Um, but there's so many of them. I feel like there's plenty to run, but again, let's get, okay, let's run to one of these marks and just see what we're looking at. And we need to get that card. So next time I go down there, I think I'm just going to have to invest. I don't know what that card is. Probably a hundred bucks or something. Totally worth it. In my opinion, um, I feel like that'll give us a good head start in finding our own spots. But anyways, so we make a big loop around them. Don't say anything. Don't get any hits on our on our troll baits. Um, there's bait everywhere. I mean everywhere. There's flying fish out there, which I've never seen flying fish out there. So you're thinking there's got to be. Where's all the other predator fish? Like they got to be out here. I mean there was huge areas of fish dimpling the surface. Like it was just unreal. Um, but couldn't, I mean, I don't know if the fish were full or what was going on, but we didn't see any predator, predatory fish while we were doing that. So we go back to the 60. So there's the 60 has like, it's a main, there's a main wreck that they sunk there. And then over the years, they just keep dropping new stuff, you know, chunks of concrete from, you know, bridge pilings and shit like that. So it's kind of scattered out throughout this big area, but there's like one main spot too, where everybody anchors up on. And of course there's already two, three boats on that. So we're just kind of we're scanning some of the waypoints that they had set, and I'm going going by, and I go over this really nice area. It's got like a bunch of blocks over on the right side of the boat, a bunch of blocks on the left side of the boat. Instead of like just like one or two, there's like six, seven. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a nice spot, and there's a bunch of activity down there. So I drop a waypoint, we spin around, um, 
uh, we uh, just spot locked, which was nice. You didn't have to worry about anchoring because uh, there was like no wind, and you just like spot lock on a trolling motor could do its deal. It was beautiful. Cut up some of the mackerel, I drop it down, and I get hit like right away. Reeling up, I'm like oh, takes me for a run. You know, I'm like trying to work this thing up. You got to get it up out of the structure, you know, and it got real heavy. And then it lightened up. I'm like, okay, now I'm making some progress. And I'm like, man, that thing makes another run. Like, blah, blah. And I looked down there. I could see a big shark. I'm like, oh, it's a big shark. That's why it was taking me for a run. And then all of a sudden, I like, it got lighter. And I'm like, what the heck? But still, wait on there. And I'm reeling it up. And it's what we call paying the tax, man. That I had hooked a different fish. And the shark grabbed that fish. And that was that big fight that I had on. I mean, it was a decent fight up until that point even. Then it really got crazy and then it got a lot lighter. He literally bit that fish off right behind the gills. And it was a nice gag grouper. And I that I don't know that I've yeah, I've probably caught a small gag before, but that would have been by far my biggest gag. I don't know what it would be what it'd have been because it would have just been a head, but let's the head let's say was probably the size of a volleyball. It's a pretty good size. That was a pretty good that was a decent fish. I was like, holy crap. So I reel that thing up, um, rebate, drop it back down. And so now um, uh, Trent's all fired up. So he's rigging up the big shark rod. And we, the night before, for like Chum, you know, at the dock, as all the big charters come in, you know, this big barrel for the fish. And so they'll throw all their scraps in there. So we grabbed a couple like mahi carcasses because the mahi bite has been fire the whole time we're there pretty much. But we can't get out to where they are. You got to go out even further. So we grabbed a couple carcasses and we had thrown them over the boat for Chum. And uh, so he lops off a head in one of the big ones, puts on a big giant shark hook and throws it out there. And that thing is not, not getting hit. But so I put another chunk of cut mackerel on, drop that down. Boom, get hit right away. Boom, another good fish. And I'm just, I'm working this fish up. Like, I got to get it up out of there. Plus, I know there's a shark on there. Sure enough, I'm about halfway up. I can't see what I have on, but I see that big, I can see that shark shadow down. I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm finally getting this thing up, and it's a big red snapper. I mean, a big red snapper. And I wasn't, I was not expecting snappers to be in yet. Um, or I didn't know that they went there at all, to be honest. Uh, but I, and then I find out, like, there's no tape on that boat. There's no scale on that boat. I'm like, what is the matter with you people? <laughs> we need to fix that. Next time I'm going down there, we at the very least need to have like, you know, one of those big long stretch out tapes we can measure our um the fish with. It's like, well, what do you how do you know if you get to catch a legal cobia? You gotta have something to measure these things with. Like this is ridiculous. You can't measure it after the fact. So completely uh, like just not we're unprepared, but whatever. Just took it, it was big. Let's just put it this way it was big and by far the biggest red snapper I've ever caught. And it's like, I don't know what it was. It was more than likely it was over 20 pounds. Like, you can see the pictures online they posted. Like, this was a big fish. Big. And dude, dude, those things pull. Holy crap. It, it was still a big fish. I mean, granted, it's a 20 pound fish or plus or whatever it was, but like, I can't even really describe it. Like, it's just like, the, the pure strength that these things have is just unreal. So that was super fun. So we get that up, and then, of course, we're getting bit by all sorts of little fish down there. And, and the bite kind of dies off. Um, so we, we abandon that spot. 
We drive around. Try some. We drop on a couple different pieces of structure. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Go to the main wreck. Can't really get on it because people are there. And again, we're, I, I see other people do this where they basically slip right in there and they fish like almost a boat length close to somebody. I just can't bring myself to do it. And we saw them hook up a couple times and they caught a couple smaller red snapper and they threw them back and or they'd hook up and then lose fish and then I kind of just went back to that like you know you don't leave fish to find fish right so let's go back to that spot that we had there there was that there was bait down there the entire time so it's just a matter of time for the predator to show up or whatever so we went back over there and got set up dropped bait down one of the rods goes off Trent grabs it hooks into it big fish he's fighting this thing and it's a shark pretty sure the same shark now in the in my Snapchats, or I made a TikTok on it too. I think I called it a bull shark. And then after further review, I think it's just a reef shark. I shouldn't say just a reef shark because it was a big fish, but didn't quite have the blunt head on it that a bull shark was have. So it probably was just a reef shark. Um, still a big shark. And uh, yeah, we got a boat side. Um, we got video of it. I was just getting, I was grabbing a, a rope to make a tail loop on it so we could actually get it you know, get our hands on it and weren't going to bring it in the boat, but we could have got some cool pictures with it. And then it like one head shake and boom, line popped. And that was that because my nephew being a dumbass didn't re-rig that one with wire. I don't, I, 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 I don't know why. Cause he got busted off. Yeah, that's right. That rod went off earlier and it, something happened. Oh, I think, uh, a knot failed or something, or the leader failed. I can't remember what it was. It was a, something like that. And so he had wire on there, but then he re-rigged it without wire. So the fact that we got it that close and fought it for that long, the perfect, you know, corner of the mouth hook. So whatever. Anyways, we considered it a catch. It's just it, as much as any, like, marlin catch. We were to the leader. That whole thing was right boat side. I mean, it was there. I mean, that was that was a catch for sure. But, again, didn't measure it because didn't have a way to measure it, but it was it was big fish. I'd say it was probably nine, ten feet. Like it was, <laughs> it was a really good fish, biggest shark I've personally seen on the end of a line. So that was that was fun. Uh, proceeded to just get bothered by a bunch of little fish. So I always try to catch said little fish. I make up these little knocker rigs, which is basically a drop shot rig, or no, what do they call those? A chicken rig, which is basically our version of a, a drop shot, and then with the smaller hook on it, the small slick we had in there, which wasn't very small, but I was able to catch some of those smaller fish, um, little grunts and stuff like that. It's just, it's fun to do. It's something to catch and didn't catch a single black sea bass, which is crazy to me. Um, Cause usually you go there and you just, you can catch those things like bluegills, like one right after another. They're fun though. Again, like while you're waiting for the big rods to go out, you're keeping yourself entertained. And we had tiny Spanish uh, breaking the surface all around us. I could not get those things to bite a lure. It was crazy. And we were throwing live men hating out there trying to chump stuff up and it just it just wasn't happening. So that was that was our uh, South Carolina trip. Uh so not a ton of fish, but we caught really quality fish. Always a good time to go down there. Of course I did go to Tattooed Moose um to get uh, a duck club. <sighs> totally worth it. God, there's only one reason to go there. It's that damn sandwich, I swear to God. It's so good. And then uh daughter and I got matching tattoos, which happened to be 
um, a version of the tattooed moose logo. I know everybody thinks I'm crazy. I think it looks badass. Um, it's awesome because it's a moose with a mohawk and the moose has a tattoo. It's cool. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, we head home and then, you know, that was during like the Minnesota opener. So, uh, which I never really usually partake in anyways. And f- to the point uh, before I left for Charleston, Joel and I went fishing that Saturday, the opener. And so we go to Wisconsin just to avoid the circus and we uh, traveled quite a ways to try to find some smallmouth. And uh, we ended up the curse of the first cast. I mean, crazy. It was a nice one. It was like a four-pounder. And I think like I think we caught a couple more. I missed a couple bites. I got skunked that day. Like, that does not happen very often. But I got skunked. That sucked. And it was kind of chilly and windy. It wasn't supposed to be windy, but it was windy. It was, it, yeah, it was one of those days. But it's still fishing. still fun. Uh, so, yeah, then I come back. And so last weekend, um, it's time to like, head out and do some um, scouting. Like it's time to start. Like I got club tournaments are they're coming up here in a couple weeks, and got to get the boat out, make sure everything works. You know, blah blah blah, all that good stuff. So went out there just doing some scanning, and then uh, stumbled upon uh, the crappies spawning. So I had to break out the custom rod and catch a bunch of those. <laughs> so much fun but i hadn't really put uh i hadn't really found much for bass like there was a couple little ones um but i was like dang where are these fish at like the post-spawn post-spawn blues couldn't quite tell like saw some empty beds in shallow so i'm like they gotta be post-spawn so i'm checking you know some spots not really finding anything and the day is kind of coming to an end so i'm like well head back in and then on my way out, um, I'm just kind of trolling my way out, and I'm working some weeds. I'm like, there's got to be some fish in here. And all of a sudden, boom! I stick a, I stick a fish, and it's a good one. I didn't, I didn't weigh it, but it was, it was right there at four. It might even have been a touch over. I don't know. Oh, hold on! I am going to sneeze. <coughs> Holy crap! That came out of nowhere. Wow! All right then. <laughs> Sorry about. I could edit that out, but I'm not going to. Whew, man, where did that come from? Sniper sneeze. Um, problem is, there's probably another one. I almost always sneeze too. I'm like a two and a halfer. Uh, so I keep working that spot. And I'm trolling my way out, and I get out to the weed line. And I'm kind of weaving the weed line, and I look down. The water is like crazy clear right now on that lake, which is not usually. And I'm like, wait, am I seeing? What I think I'm seeing Are those bluegill heads. So I had already put, like, my rods away. So I grabbed the ultralight, slapped back down there, whack. Sure enough, start catching these real nice slab bluegills. I'm like, really? Well, that's probably why that uh, big bass was lurking in the area. So I was like, all right, well, that's good. Gives me something to go off of. And going back to Charleston, like, wanting to run those numbers and knowing exactly what I'm looking for. So this was these fish are spawning in a already kind of a hard bottom area so there's been a lot of lakes where you go scan by and you're like oh there's some old bluegill beds and you can see it looks like the surface of a golf ball right that's not what these ones look like the depressions were not very big because i don't i think it was already pretty much on a, a hard bottom so i was like oh they're really faint dimples but once i saw it i'm like 
oh, and also the way it marked the fish on there. I was like, I saw that in other spots of the lake, so now I'm going to have to come back and do some more scanning. And so then I finished my day up that way, and then head back, did some more scanning the next day, caught some more crappies, caught some more bluegills, caught a few more bass, nothing big. Um, but, yeah, then I did scan around looking for, you know, so dropped a, dropped a few more waypoints. So that's one lake checked off. Um, that's coming up in two weekends. This weekend, um, so I got Saturday, I'll do some scouting. And then Sunday, we have uh, our the Future Angler Minnesota's first casting kids casting clinic. It's going to be at Bald Eagle Lake. So if you have any kids that are interested, uh, sign them up on the website, the Future Angler Minnesota website. I think we have like seven kids signed up. I'm still looking for a couple of volunteers. If anybody's uh, willing, you don't have to worry about teaching them to cast. I'm going to take care of that part. This is more of just like um, other stuff that, you know, setting up and taking down. And I'm pretty sure we're doing like grilling hot dogs or something. And then we're going to go down to the pier and actually fish. So that's kind of where I need volunteers to kind of manage line tangles and take fish off the hook, bait hooks, and, and stuff like that. So still could use a couple people uh, get a hold of me or you can send a message to fam directly or on the Facebook page. So yeah, that's uh that's what I've been doing. Now I think we're all caught up. Oh, and morel hunting has been it's a phenomenal season for morels this year. Everybody's smashing them out there. Um, been wet. It's been warm. It's a good year for it. Um, so that was fun. I'd been needing a good year for that. Um, that was good. Something else. Oh yeah, I went to go trout fishing again, but the water—I wouldn't say it was blown out, but it was pretty. It was the water was dirty, so it didn't end up catching. Because all I wanted to do was, you know, catch a few trout, get some morels, make a nice meal. So instead, I just got a bunch of morels and no trout. <laughs> yeah, you know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, huh? Uh, so that was fun, and I never got out turkey hunting, not once. So that's just kind of how it went. But again, I was gone. A lot gallivanting across the country, so it is what it is. Again, my shoulders jacked up, and so here I could not like, and I was already mentally prepared to use a shotgun and just do it, get that monkey off my back, shoot my first turkey, be done with it. But nope, not gonna do it, or it didn't happen. Anyway, I mean, I would have went, you know, but it just turned out that I didn't. So there's that. All right, you are all caught up with uh, the recap part for my rant. Um, it's a good one. I mean, it's it's, it's like a, it's like positive kind of sort of. So I was looking at this picture. This is what kind of made my mind snowball around this concept. I see this picture, and it's like a family, and they got like a picnic table in front of them, paper newspaper laid out, and there's just a shit ton of fish laid out on this table. I thought they were walleyes at first, but upon closer inspection, they are like bass and bluegills and shit like that, um, which I'm sure triggered a shit ton of bass guys. That's never bothered me. I don't know why like bass guys get so triggered that somebody's keeping a bass. Who cares? The vast majority of people that fish for them don't keep them, so it's like you're still better off than any other fish like walleyes. Everybody keeps those. I mean, or bluegills crappies everybody keeps those you know it's like your fish hardly anybody keeps them but so somebody keeps one once in a while big fucking deal anyways 
And, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, once I realized there was bass, I was probably like, you know, who didn't say where this was at? Um, it very well could have been like a a stocked pond, a private pond, where you need to call a bunch. Like, you need to harvest them out of there. Uh, I know a guy in Texas, he does that. He um, Somebody he knows has his private pond. He basically just has him come out and do calls a couple times a year, and he just takes a shit ton of bass out of there and eats them. And I'm sure they're fine for all the misinformation out there where people – you know, bass don't taste good, or oh, smallmouth tastes good, but only in the winter. It's like it's all bullshit. Like it just is. I've eaten largemouth in the summer. It's it's they're fine. <laughs> they're as bland and boring as every other freshwater fish. It's fine. Um, but anyways, I never got triggered by that. But I did make the the snide comment down there because when I first thought they were walleyes, I'm like, you know, comment being just like sits around the campfire that night drinking Bud Light, bitching about how all muskies are eating all the fish. Yet, here's, like, a table full of fish. And that's, like, the bottom line, right? Like, for all the bitching and moaning that people do out there, and this is fishing and hunting, everything, about the wolves are eating the deer, uh, coyotes are eating the turkeys, cormorants are eating the walleyes, too many muskies eating the walleyes, blah, blah, all this shit, right? You eat all the walleyes you're eating all the deer like you're the number one threat to these things <laughs> you have all the technology like grant it's not there's seasons right which in nature there's no seasons a wolf doesn't can a wolf gets to hunt 365 right i i understand that um but it's like they're still around and they're still around even though like we harvest a shit ton of fish and wildlife and they're still around so i think it's going to be fine so that's kind of what I kind of had my brain spinning, and I thought, you know, we're really kind of um, spoiled in this day and age. Like, if you really stop and think about it, like, I think we're in the good old days. I mean, for for sure, we got to be in the good old days right now. You know, I think a lot of people, especially waterfallers, you know, like, all oh, the good old days when the skies were black with uh, waterfall, and those the market hunters and all that, and they just they destroyed all that. And there can be something said for that. And maybe our skies aren't darkened out by flocks of ducks, but if you hit the right day in the spring, snow goose hunting, you might think, you know, and that's, that's a good example. like, there's more snow geese now than ever before to the point they have to have an extra season on them. And they've had to have an extra season on them for a decade over almost two decades now might even be two decades. Uh, we got more white-tailed deer than this country's ever seen. There's more raccoons in this in, in recorded history like that and you can just keep going across the board now there's certain things like wolves arguably probably not as many you know but we still have for sure enough to hunt and trap them uh don't get me wrong i am definitely pro hunt trap wolves i'm not a wolf hater but why not banish them like everything else you've heard me do that rant a million times um bears you know bears are kind of like but even that, like, there's there's more and more settings of grizzlies in the lower 48. And there's no shortage of black bears here in Minnesota. Like, like nearly across the board when it comes to game, we have a surplus. You can get bonus tags. You can get two turkeys in, like, in Wisconsin. You can still only get one here. I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten the two here. Although I will say in some southern states, they're starting to think about going, going down to one turkey limit because they're – populations on there are starting to dip a little bit but they still have a lot and there's his there's turkeys 
in this country where they have historically never been before. So we have, this is truly the land of plenty. Our fish species are doing very well. Like everything's out there. But yet, if you're just going to go off of like internet comments and campfire conversations, you'd think we're in the dark ages. Everybody's got a bitch about this and bitch about that. They rip the DNR. And I don't care what state you're in. Every person says the same shit about their state DNR. The do nothing right. All the way from they're just inept to it's some conspiracy theory that they're they're releasing. Dude, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard this story. The DNR is is releasing mountain lions. And they're like, why? Why would they do that? They're not going to do that secretly. Like, what is, what, follow the money. Where's, where's the money? What's in it for them? Like, this not, it's not cheap to go trap a lion and relocate the thing. They don't need to. These things travel through all the time. Every year, there are cougar sightings in Minnesota and Wisconsin and all the way to the East Coast. They just do their own thing. I'm always surprised that we don't have, like, a breeding population. I get it right now. Someone right now is pounding their dashboard. There's, there are. I haven't seen it. It's kind of like the Bigfoot thing. As many trail cameras as are out there, where are the mountain lion cub pictures? I'm not seeing it. How about just a mountain lion picture like of a, of a mom with a big swelled belly or, or, or swollen mountain lion tits? Where are those, right? Nobody has it. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to gonna have to use my eyes and ears and be like, I don't think we have a breeding population. Although I'm surprised, especially in stuff like the North Shore, which just looks like prime mountain lion habitat, and there's deer everywhere. It's not like there's not. And, you know, it's not human population density is relatively low up there. You would think a mountain lion would stumble upon that and be like, search is over. Realtor.com, sign me up. This is where I'm living. You know, it seems like a good spot, but maybe not. I don't know why. They just it always seems to be a young male. At least those are the ones that we end up killing or whatever when they get too close to people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just zero evidence. Oh, God, and I, I, I know. I know somebody's listening to this right now. This like thinks I'm dead wrong. And you know what? Maybe I am. But I personally haven't seen any evidence to believe to, to lead me to believe anything different. But that's not my rant. The rant is take note of how good we have it. Like don't let it don't don't take it for granted. You know, don't don't let it go to waste. You know, we, we bitch about our young people saying we don't know how good they have it and they got all this, you know, phones in their pocket and blah blah blah, this, that, and that thing. Well it's the same 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 thing goes for us adults. And any generation right now, if you're out there and you're fishing and you're hunting, take a moment to look around and realize how good you have it. And you have it that good because of our management strategies. You have it that good because we do have a DNR that monitors people and makes sure, you know, again, and it could be a lot worse, right? It could be a lot worse. I guarantee you the vast majority of people listening to this podcast right now are probably technically over the limit in their freezer when it comes to fish. You have Minnesota, you have your possession and day limit is exactly the same. So if the limit is 10 crappies and you have 10 fillets, you know, in your freezer and you go fishing the next day, you can't keep legally another crappie. But 
we all know pretty much everybody does, right? That's just what happens. I'm not, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if it wasn't for the DNR and the, and the threat of getting a ticket, that consumption would be a hundred times worse. Probably that's probably a like actually accurate mathematical equation. It would be a hundred times worse. People would just take, 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 take. Their freezers would be filled. It'd be getting freezer burned. It'd just be a shit ton of waste. So thank God we have. I, and I for one, am thankful for our conservation officers. I'm thankful for our management. Yeah, do they get it right? No. A lot of times they don't, right? But you got legislatures of all. You know, there's it's heavily nuanced and. But as a whole, you know, like, you know, we can go down the Mille Lacs thing, which has been a complete and utter disaster. Um, but that's more politics than it is anything else. If it was just left to game and fish management, I guarantee you we could, that lake would be money, right? And it's still not bad. That's the thing. That's like the main bitch. I can't believe they're only letting us keep one walleye. There's walleyes everywhere. Well, aren't you lucky that there's walleyes everywhere? But you, but you want to take, 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 take. But then you a bitch at everything else that wants to take, 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 whether that's a muskie or a cormorant or whatever the thing might be or somebody of a different ethnicity. <laughs> not, to, not to stir that pot too much. But uh, take time, everybody, when you're out and about and uh, kind of soak it up. Kind of soak it up as to just how good we have it. Now, I do want to say, it's no time to take your foot off the gas. It's not to say you should never critique. It's not to say, but critique in a way that helps. What are you doing to make it better, right? Um, if all you're doing is sitting around that campfire with your Bud Light, and I purposely say that because it's trash beer, and so if you have a trash opinion, you're probably drinking trash beer. Um, sitting around a campfire drinking Bud Lights and White Claws, bitching about the DNR, whether it's fish management or deer management or whatever it is, you know, and I know I talked about this not too long ago about in the same article, like the bitching about uh, how we need antler point restrictions, you know, deer hunting could be so much better than it is, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, I believe Minnesota is either third or fourth in the Boone and Crockett list. So we've got, we've got good, even at the way we manage it right now, we have really good bucks in this state. Now, could it be better? Yeah, probably, arguably, could be better, but it's still pretty good. So be thankful for what we have. Uh, acknowledge the work that's gone into getting it that way. But again, it's, there's no reason to take the foot off the gas. But how are you helping it? Don't just sit there on the campfire bitching about it unless you are doing something to help. Are you Are you filling out the surveys when you get it? Are, you know, they did the waterfall survey here not that long ago. Hardly anybody did it. Minnesota has more waterfall hunters per capita than any other state in lower 48. And hardly anybody filled out that goddamn survey. And then they all bitch about the laws that happen because of it. Well, you're not, you're, you're the perfect example. I, your opinion doesn't mean shit to me. Is you're not doing, I mean, the smallest bit of work. I'm not asking you to go out there and clear land. I'm not asking you to go out there and build wood duck boxes. I'm not. All I'm asking you to do is fill out a fucking survey, dude. Like, you don't even do that, then you're just going to bitch, right? I'm sorry, but your opinion means jack shit to me. Um, do some work, you know. Uh, give back. Uh, 
be a member of Ducks Unlimited or Delta Waterfall or Trout Unlimited or the Rough Grouse Society or the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or whatever the thing is, um, you know, QDM, anything. If you are proactive, I am going to listen to you a little bit more. I'm going to give your opinions some weight. And not that I'm like the end all of end all, but I guess that's just my point. It's like um, we really need to just take stock and realize how good we have it, be thankful, and then use that as your motivation to continue the good work. Continue to do the things that can not only keep it as good as it is, maybe even make it better. And part of me is like, I don't know how it can get much better. Like, it's pretty goddamn good, but I'm going to forge ahead and pass it on to the generations. And that's why if you haven't um, gone on to Facebook and followed the Future Anglers Minnesota, please do that. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, If you know somebody that has kids that want to get into, you know, into fishing and do a little bit more, even if you take them, like even if you already take your kids fishing, it's, it's this is just fun. You're going to get um, somebody else's uh, perspective and training and um, learn some stuff. It, it's going to be fun. And also think about we got, we're going to have the second annual golf tournament coming up in September. So get a team together. Let's do that. Let's raise some money. And uh, that's a great way for you to give back, right? It's um, keep the youth involved when it comes to hunting too, all that stuff. Um, they, I know it's cliche, but they literally are the future. We want to leave something for them. But more importantly, we set a good example and we teach them on how to, how they can leave it as good, if not better than they found it for their kids in the future. That's kind of where you have to go. All right. That's enough flowery bullshit for me for one day. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Um, I want to throw this in there real quick. Uh, He's a sponsor of Waterfall Wednesday, but I'll tag it in this one. So Cutthroat Bow Fishing, my friend Nolan runs it. Uh, He's guiding bow fishing trips. Listen, you guys, if you haven't done that, like I just went out this last weekend, not with Nolan, but with with Joel. We didn't didn't do that good, but we did see some fish, shot a few fish. It's so fun, dude. It is so fun. If you haven't done it, um, especially if, you know, do a ride along, if nothing else. Like if you're one of these people that maybe you have a, a negative opinion of bow fishing, maybe go check it out. Just see what it's like. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Like, it's a great mix of hunting and fishing. Uh, action is, you know, can be fast because you're sitting there. It's nighttime, obviously, and you're just looking in the water to where you can see what, that the lights are shining. You're like, oh, shit, that's a fish right there. Um, it's fun. It, it takes a, a minute to kind of get the shooting down. You're going to miss a lot, but it is a ton of fun. So if you haven't done it and you want a chance to give it a shot, um, get a hold of Nolan. Cut through a bow fishing on Facebook, send a message, and uh, set it up. Be a ton of fun. All right, that's all I got for everybody. Uh, good luck out there, and whatever your passion, pursue it. Full skip. fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.